RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, everybody. Guess what? It's Friday morning, which means it's Duffified Live. That means that I can talk as loud as I want into the microphone, far or close. Because guess what? It's my show, and I get to do whatever I want to do on my show, even though Jerry tries to hide me. I'm just joking. Jerry's awesome. Just joking, Jerry. So here's what we got for this week. So two weeks ago, this weird thing happened. Super, super weird thing kind of happened out in the world where there was a football game that went on, and a football player decided to retire in the middle of a game. I believe it was the second game of the season. And Vontae Davis, uh, who is a former, it now says former on his Wikipedia page, cornerback, played for 10 seasons in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins, Indianapolis Colts, and Buffalo Bills. Played football at Illinois and was drafted by the Dolphins in the first round of 2009. He decided that he no longer wanted to play football anymore. So he walked off the field at halftime and just kind of took off. I think it's pretty crazy. So the experts on the NFL contracts at this point told uh, Yahoo Sports on Monday that the Bills should not have to pay Davis more than $769,000, which is that the franchise could recoup another $283 from uh, $283,000 from Davis if it if it can successfully argue that he should not receive his game check or per game bonuses from week 2 since he walked out at halftime. Okay, so Davis's contract called for him to earn two point two five million dollars from the from the bills this season. He instead forfeits all but uh, the pair of one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars game checks that he's already received from being a member in the bills weeks one and two. So the, the thing that kind of goes with me on this is that, you know, one of the biggest things that we have is we have we have athletes all over the world that are looked up to as role models for things. And we have some phenomenal role models out there, men and women that are, are the epitome of a role model, people that give back to the community. I don't know anything about this guy. I'm just going to tell you, I don't know anything about this guy. And it's a shame for me to judge this situation the way that it is, but I don't have a lot more information about it. I did some research on it and all I can understand is that he just didn't want to play anymore. He just didn't feel as if he was, uh, he, he just didn't want to play anymore. It was just kind of done. Like it was the weirdest thing ever. So after doing a little bit more research and all of this, he basically just told the coach that he was done. He just didn't really want to go any further with it, I guess, which is just wild to me. Like, it's not even about the money, man. I mean, after all of this time that, that you, you just play, I don't know. Uh, this isn't how I pictured retiring from the NFL, but today on the field, reality hit me hard and fast. I shouldn't be out there anymore. I meant no disrespect to my teams or coaches. Whoa. Okay. 
Uh, I meant no disrespect to my teammates or coaches. And he just kind of rolled and took off. Like, imagine literally what that feeling is like when you're just walking out the back door of a stadium while all this shit is going on around you. I just don't get that. And I think the biggest thing is, is that in this day and age of, of every, of, of every child being given trophies. And I, and I know this is all cliche, what we're talking about in this back end of it, but of every child having, uh, having being given a trophy and being made to feel good for mediocre behavior for people just giving them shit because of giving them shit because we want to shut them up or we want to make sure that they had a better childhood than we did. Well, guess what? I wanted a fucking Michael Jackson jacket when I was 14 years old and my father was a teacher and my mother was a nurse and had four kids and my parents said no. They said no and I dealt with it. And that's the way that it worked. Look, I take care of my girls. I make sure that they have good quality stuff on them. Do we have a couple of extra pairs of shoes? Yes, we do. Do we have a couple extra pairs of maybe Lululemon sweatpants for my 14 and 17-year-old? Yes, we do. But you know what? I buy quality stuff because I know that it's going to last and that's the way that we play the game. But you know what else? My girls just don't get shit for showing up, okay? My daughter got cut from the volleyball team this year at the beginning of the season because it was a series. Of, there was a, there was an opportunity for four players to make it, and six girls tried out, and Fiona didn't make it. It sucks, and it hurt my heart for her. But she's better off because of it. She learned that she's not just going to be given something. And in this day and age, for a guy to get up and walk off the field, I think you're a big fucking pussy, is what I think. Okay, you should have had a conversation. You should have worked it out. Even if you finish your contract out, man, take the penalty, whatever it works out to be. Talk with the coaches, work through the deal. Don't just create a situation that you are making it okay for you to get up and walk out of a situation that you are contracted to be there for. You know how many contracts that I have that I go out that I just can't, I, I, sometimes I just don't want to do shit. But I have a contract. I'm supposed to be there. People are paying me to be there. They're relying on me as a person to be there. It's the same as when we worked in restaurants with people that just get up and walk out of a restaurant. I think it's disgusting. Okay? Don't burn a bridge. Get a set of balls. Be a man. Step up to the plate and finish the goddamn game. Okay. That's it. That's the beginning of my angry rant for something that happened two weeks ago. But I had to get it out of my, uh, out of my system. Okay? So what do I have with that? And, and where are we going with this? Which is, is, I think it's kind of ironic that this happened because I am about to have a conversation with a gentleman that I met when I was in Washington a couple of weeks ago. And he's a chef. And he's a damn good chef. Okay? But one of the things that I have always kind of prided myself on is I was always there for work. Okay? If I was sick, whatever it was, I scheduled, I planned. If I wanted to take a Saturday night off, especially as a corporate executive chef with 11 restaurants under my belt at that point that I was overseeing, like all this shit that was going on in the whole nine yards, I showed up for work. Okay. I went in, I did my job. I did what I had to do. And I wanted to take a Saturday night off. I went in a little bit early. I prepared my staff for it. I got them ready. It's just the way that it works. It's what it is. Okay. No matter what we push through, we, we muddle through, we do what we have to do, but we're at a different point in our lives right now. We are at uh, this amazing, this, 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 this crossroad. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand how it is that we have employees that just don't give a shit. 
that just don't show up for work, how we have a a group of people that will literally quit a job for 25 cents more an hour, which in a 40 hour work week, that's like 10 bucks a week. Now, I'm not saying the 10 bucks a week isn't a lot of money to a lot of people. And you know what? 10 bucks is 10 bucks, man. 10 bucks is, is paying for a bus ride to get in to and from work if you have to. 10 bucks is definitely a big amount of money to a tremendous amount of people. But to just quit without even having a conversation about something because you're getting more money or, 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 or here's one of the things that I talk about all the time is, you know, if you're going in and you want to raise, be prepared, man. You go in and you sit down in a proper manner and you have a conversation with somebody and you say, hey, chef, I've worked for you for six months. I have done this, this, and this. I have proven myself time and time again, and I feel that I am am deserved or I have proven myself to you, and I would like to talk to you about possibly or about getting some more money. You know, we're in a shitty business, guys. I hate to say it in so many different ways. We're in a really odd business because we are only as good as the bottom line. And a lot of times we open up restaurants, we hire a tremendous amount of people, we get them in with the understanding that about 25 to 40% of these people are going to leave. They're not going to be there in three to six weeks. Okay. They usually come in, they work through the beginning stages of opening a restaurant, and then they take off. That's not a good thing. Okay. So, I had a horrible uh, kind of teaching when I was younger in the ways of being a chef. And the first 10 years of me being a chef, I was a dick. And I talk about it all the time, about the fact that I was, I have 20, I have, I have my first 10 in the industry that will never change. There's nothing that I can do about those first 10 years in the industry of me working as a chef, owning places, operating places, getting involved in partnerships, dealing with employees and everything else. Then I have my last 10 and my last 10 is a constant moving target, okay? Because it changes every single day. So my 10 years may have started 10 years ago on September whatever 22nd, okay? But today I am a whole different person. My idea of the way that we need to treat our employees has completely changed. My idea of the way that we raise our children has changed. The idea of how we empower our employees has changed. And a couple of weeks ago, I met a dude who, who believes wholeheartedly in that. And it's something that, that grabbed me because when I had my first conversation with this guy, I was literally just enamored. Like I was sitting there and I couldn't stop listening to him talk. I couldn't stop asking him questions because he has a, he has a lot of restaurants, man. This is a guy who is a very successful chef at this point right now. If I'm not mistaken, let me just double check. He has 10 restaurants. He's about to open an 11th or 12th. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, this is a guy who is two years older than I am. You know, he's a guy that I look up to in the industry because of what he's done, the way that he got there and how he operates to this point. So, yeah, I know it kind of started off a little bit negative in the beginning of this show, and I'm really sorry about that. I apologize, but it kind of pisses me off because in this day and age when sports figures are more important than teachers, when sports figures are more important than the, 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 the joke of the politicians that we have that are forming the laws and the situations that are happening within our country. 
And these kids are starting are, – are more and more every day looking up to athletes. And this guy just loses his set of balls. He drops them in the locker room, and he walks out the back door in the middle of a game. I got a problem with that. We need to empower our employees. We need to empower our children. We need to raise them to do the right thing. We need to let them know that they can't just quit something in the middle of a season. They can't just walk out on a job. <clears throat> they can't just give up like that. We want to have a future. Start raising your kids and start raising these athletes that it is all about the performance, that it is about the fact that if you are out there and you're going to do something, you have to do it 100%. Okay. My girls played softball, volleyball, field hockey, the whole nine yards. My oldest daughter hated field hockey, but she finished the season because she had to finish the season because I wouldn't let her quit. And she went out and she sat on that bench and she got her five, six, seven, eight minutes of playtime every single game. And she came off and she told me how much she hated it. But you know what? She finished the season and she's a bigger, stronger person for that. And I feel that the conversation that we're about to have is going to empower a lot of people out there with owners, operators, with managers, whatever it is. It's exactly what we need to do is we need to empower everybody to start getting our employees to be bigger and better people, to start thinking for themselves, to not just walk out on a shift. So- with that super weird little praise that I just did and that negative beginning to this show, I am unbelievably excited to introduce all of you to our next guest. This guy is somebody, again, that I've met over the last couple of, a couple of weeks ago. He was a really, really good guy, raised in Texas, studied at the New England French Culinary, uh, the New England Institute in Vermont, okay, worked as a chef in fine dining restaurants all across the United States of Florida, Colorado, California, and Georgia. 2007, he moved to Atlanta, opened his first restaurant. Okay. And then he currently resides in Roswell, Georgia with his wife and two sons. So ladies and gentlemen, do me a huge favor and welcome to Duffified Live, Chef Ford Fry. Ford, my brother, what's going on, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Too shabby. Where are you today? Atlanta. Nice. Hey, Ford, uh, do me a favor, man. Why don't you tell us who you are uh, and how we can get in contact with you? Okay, cool. Hey, I'm Ford Fry. I am a chef uh, gone restaurateur, I guess you could say, based out of Atlanta. We have restaurants in Atlanta, Houston, Charlotte, working on Nashville. Um, wow. You can get me on, how about Instagram? Uh, there you go. Uh, at Ford Fry, F-O-R-D-F-R-Y. There we go. Instagram, at Ford Fry. Yeah. And so, Ford, you and I met when we were out harvesting and digging up in the dirt out in Washington State. That's right. And uh, that was awesome, dude, by the way. That was a great trip. I don't know about you, but I learned a tremendous amount, and I got to come back and play with a lot of potatoes when I got home. Yep, yep. I made fries. <laughs> I saw your posts, dude. They were awesome. Cut myself, too, on the mandolin. I had a new Japanese mandolin, and I'm like, you know, I'm just... Oh. I'm like, oh no, I gonna cut myself forever. Thing wouldn't stop bleeding. Sorry. They're the worst. They're like, they're like, they're like, uh, it's like 15 paper cuts all at the same shot. Exactly. Shame. No good. Um, so Ford, okay, let, let's kind of, let's back up a little bit. So you grew up in Texas. Yeah. And then you ended up going to school up in New England. That's right. So how did that, how did that come to? And so, uh, you know, I always knew I loved restaurants um, and I loved eating, uh, but I had no idea that uh, I would get in via the back door. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was a terrible busboy, I was a terrible server. So I thought, OK, well, maybe I'm not destined to be in restaurants. And this, that was in high school. So then I got to college, joined a fraternity, don't really go to class. 
Um, but college was all about fraternity for me. So whatever happened there, I thought was cool. And, and there's a guy in the fraternity who, and we used to, I mean, kick in the kitchen door late at night, and cook up stuff. And all <laughs> I always loved cooking, but there was a guy there, uh, that I found that I'd heard he went off to uh, culinary school in Vermont. And I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe that, that could be cool. So, um, cause I did like to cook. So that was it. So, uh, left Arkansas and packed up the Jeep and drove it all the way to Vermont. And that was the end of it. Loved it. Wow. What, um, first off, what fraternity? Sigma Chi. Uh, I'm a teak. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm an honorary inductee. Those, it means I don't anything. think you had those at uh, Arkansas actually. No, I don't, I, you know, we've got a bunch of chapters all over, man. I, I actually was an inductee through the grand chapter. So it was pretty wild. I got, I got to go in. I do a lot of stuff on the educational side now and the leadership seminars. It's really, it, it was something that I took as a joke when I first did it, which was last year. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to go down to fucking New Orleans, hang out and booze with a bunch of frat brothers. Next thing I know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm st- I've got my hand on a skull. <laughs> you know, I've right. got like a dagger in my hand and I'm like, oh, fuck, am I going to have to cut myself here? Yeah, like, like you know, yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, so so you're up in, in, in Vermont. You're I mean, which is I mean, a whole different world from from pretty much anything you'd ever done. But it's a whole different world living in the Northeast, especially up in Vermont. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my season there was in the cold season, so it was slushy and snowy, and uh, but it was all good. Uh, we ran an inn, so th- so this was New England Culinary Institute, and it was awesome because we ran this inn in Vermont, and so you know, my first, uh, you know, I hadn't cooked, you know, professionally um, before that, so you know, my first class was like, all right, here you go, <laughs> hey. I'm like, no way, man. What, really? And yep. like, yep. um, so it was amazing. We ran, we ran the restaurants, we ran all the F and B outlets there. And, uh, it's kind of like you're thrown in and you're doing it. So it was cool. It was perfect for me. It was exactly what I needed. I, uh, I worked at Chili's for two weeks before culinary school. <laughs> I never cooked. I mean, I cooked at home. My parents were great cooks and my brothers and I and my sister, we all cooked. I mean, you know, we would do the drunk late night, you know, see what we can come up with at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and play around. I started cooking for, for, for friends and girls and doing all that. And then my buddy's like, dude, you should do something with this man. And, and I did. So I'd really never worked in a restaurant for cooking. I was a server and I was a horrible bartender, but I cooked, you know I mean? I, I cooked outside of the house and it was a blast to do it. So it's kind of funny to see what you do now and you had never cooked before culinary school. Yeah. So it was just kind of into you. So, so what was your, like, I mean, I remember what my initial kind of inspiration was while I was in school. Was there a, was there a moment for you when you were in school where you were like, fuck, like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is it. You know, I don't know. You know, quite honestly, you know, honestly, I mean, I looked up in the catalog before I went to school or in the little brochure and I saw a dude skiing, um, snow skiing. So I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to go here and snow ski. And if I have to go to school, I'm going to cook and learn to cook. So uh, literally, I, uh, you know, I skied a half day because it rained, I think, when I was skiing. And I'm like, and I'm used to grow. I grew up skiing in Colorado and. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't, 
I think it's right at the very beginning. You know, I, I think uh, when when I'm in class and the, the chef tells me, he says, season this, I'm like, I used to think that, that you know, a combination of these 10 dry spices will give you some miraculous taste. And I said, right. okay, what do you want me to season it with? I was confused. He's like, he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, salt and pepper. I'm like, that's it. You know, because I was used to like taking all this garbage, like dry rosemary and dry thyme, all the strongest herbs you can, and right. putting all together and making something really nasty. Um, so once I started seeing the simplicity of, uh, all right, how, how to how to let the ingredient shine, it's you know on its own. I, that was it. I was in. I love yeah. the art. I love that. You know, early on, you always love the artistic part too. You love sure. the bleeding and all that. And, um, now I'm kind of down to, uh, all right, how simple can I make it? And that's what I want to eat. It's a simplistic way. A lot of stuff these days. And I love it because I mean, that's, I just did a fried food place down in North Carolina and that's yeah. literally what I thought. I'm like, I've done high end. I've done fine dining. I've done well-known. I've done gastro pubs. I've done dive bars. I literally just want to fuck around with food for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're coming up with now. We know we're doing great burgers. We're doing great things with chicken and brining and the marinades that we're utilizing on stuff and putting it in simple breading or, you know, just a really simple technique of smoking or, you know, even if it's roasting or braising or something, we're just doing really good, simple stuff. And I'm having more fun than I did when I create these grandiose step-by-step menus. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, don't you think it's just it's, it's, a lot of times it's just kind of food you want to eat and, yeah. and just have more fun cooking the food you want to eat. But I also, I think, I think a lot of it, and, and I mean, you, you might agree with, I think you may, we've had a, a little conversation about this last time. It also changes when you aren't doing the cooking every day, when you are now relying on, in your case, you have 10 or 11 restaurants now. Uh, starting today, we have 15 Okay. So you guys have 15 restaurants tonight now. So yeah. in reality, you've got 15 executive chefs that are in your properties yeah, yeah. under a Ford Fry name. Yeah. And you're really relying on them to take some of your classic recipes. You know, I'm sure you've got your own, your own recipe for, for whatever it is. Let's fuck it. Uh, Bechamel, who knows what it is. You've got a classic bechamel for your mac and cheese. And this is the recipe that I want everybody to use. And it's funny because I've gone into so many restaurants. I've been like, all right, man, why does it, why does it have so much nutmeg? Well, I thought it needed more, <laughs> you know, or I mean, and I always say I'm so OCD about what it is that I do that I have a recipe for salt and pepper. Like, yeah. you know, here's my recipe for salt and pepper for you guys to keep on the line. Yeah. So, I mean, for you, how much of a struggle has that been? You know, I'm, I'm a little farther away from that for me. I mean, I, I, uh, my, my, uh, my take on it was, um, you know, I opened my first restaurant in 2007 and, uh, I was in there every day, uh, watching every meal period, watching every plate go out and, <laughs> And it was all about me, you know, and make it or break it. And um, I got to a point where I started getting passionate about people. And I said, you know, what happens when chefs get old? You know, where do they, you know, we we work so hard, we get so beat up. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I guess I'm too tired to work in the kitchen anymore. So I'm going to go sell uh, you know, cans of tomatoes <laughs> or something. And I'm like, you know, that's just not fair. You know what I mean? So, so I had this passion of like finding like, all right, you know, I have a few of my buddies that were chefs that really wanted to get into their own restaurant. I said, well, let's just do this together. And then 
you do your restaurant. I'll, I'll provide all the you know elements of all the stuff that I've learned that I know the business side, you know, you, you name it and the infrastructure and everything. But, you know, I want this to be about you and I want you to take the credit. But, you know, so so that's kind of how we've done everything. But there right. are some things that that. Like, for instance, you know, my, you know, I grew up in Houston and my roommate in culinary school was from a small town in Louisiana. And, you know, you find someone from Georgia or wherever, you know, and they try to make gumbo and they're making gumbo what they think it should be or whatever. And right. Like, I know what it is because this guy's mom taught me how to make it. And this is what it is. So there's certain things that I'm super passionate about. And then there's certain things that that are. uh uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, what do you got? You know, just, yeah. it tastes good, you know? And, and so my job is more inspiring them to kind of just get better every day and every day. You know, I found this awesome new app and it's called vivid seats. Okay. Go over there right now to the app store, Google play, whatever it is and download this app. Okay. Because what it is, this is a super cool new app that is an online event ticket marketplace. It's dedicated to providing fans like you guys of live entertainment with experiences. Okay. For me, I travel all over the country all the time. I've made a decision that when I go to a city now, I want to do something in that city other than just stay in a hotel or go to a bar. I've decided that I'm going to start going to some sporting events, some concerts. Hell, I'll even go to one man shows if I need to. I'll even go to a Broadway show. What the hell? May not be on Broadway, but I'm going to go. But I'm going to tell you what, the easiest way to do it is right here. Go to Vivid Seats, get that app right now. Put in the podcast code of influence. All of you guys can receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. So here it is again. Go to the App Store, Google Play, download Vivid Seats right now. Enter the promo code of influence and you're going to receive 10% off of your first purchase. Did you guys know that all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee? Okay. Every purchase is backed by a 100% guarantee. All right. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code influence, 10% off your first purchase, and I'll see you at the show. Well, and that was one of the things that I found that I really liked about you. I mean, besides we had fun and we laughed and, you know, we had a good time and we ate funky, weird burgers one afternoon. But yeah, I mean, it was like your kind of vision for the restaurant industry and especially for your restaurants and, and with staffing, you know, that, that we're, we're in a really odd transition right now. You know, the hospitality industry is taking a hit in so many levels, minimum wages of $15 an hour, um, no tipping policies, you know, that sort of stuff. And your retaining employees and your retention of employees is big. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a really something in my opinion that you should be very proud of. Yeah. And, you had said a couple of things to me and, and I just kind of want you to, to break those down again. I mean, what are you doing at this point in this crazy day and age of employees that are leaving for 25 cents, you know, more an hour or something to that effect? How are you holding on to your employees and what are you doing differently? Yeah. I mean, it's funny holding on versus attracting, attracting is always the hard part and getting the message out, uh, is sometimes difficult, you know, but, um, holding on is seems to be working well. Um, you know, and I look at things as like, like I, you know, this isn't an uncommon term, but I call it, you know, servant leadership and that's leading by serving is, but is leading by serving our staff. And, and 
I, I remember after I just opened our second restaurant and I felt, you know, we had plans for a third and even more. So I thought, you know what, I really need a COO, you know, someone to really drive, you know, that because the front of the house in a sense or really drive everything that would free me up to kind of be the visionary. And so I hired uh, my old boss, who was just the, my best boss that I ever had. And I found him and he lived nearby, uh, for, oddly enough, because we worked in California and Colorado together. And um, so I told him, I said, I want to create I want to create restaurants. But also but but as a but as a corporate office, I wanted to that I wanted that to be more of a learning center, a center where people are taught how to run restaurants. They're taught how to the finances, they're taught the wine, they're taught, you know, cooking techniques and things like that. So we kind of create these, this own little university, I'd call it, but not that on a grand scale, scale, which, which everyone in every restaurant can come and take these classes, you know, obviously for free, I think we pay them, you know, uh, an hourly rate or something to even come take these classes. So it's like, they want to. I think people just want to see that, that that there's there's future for them, that there's upward movement, and that they're not they're not treated as a tool, and they're treated as a person uh, out of respect. And our job is just to keep them learning. I mean, that's that's my responsibility is to develop them, just as their responsibility is to get better and work hard and work passionately for for us. So. It kind of goes both ways. So I think by doing that and showing care and concern and by training and teaching and I think is the way to, I don't, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily about the money for most people. That's what I've noticed. It's about, yeah. it's about what's learning, you know, and if I, it is about the money, then it's probably not the right person. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer and I say it all the time. I, you know, <clears throat> I, I do my consulting and I'm in and out of different restaurants on a weekly basis. And, you know, I, one of the number one things that I hear from so many owners and operators is I want my staff to upsell more. You know, I really want them to upsell. I want them to upsell this. I want them to upsell that. How can I get my staff to upsell? And my f- number one thing is education creates upsell. You know, the more educated that your staff is about the product that you're serving, the easier it's going to be for them to upsell. You know, how many restaurants did you, were you in younger and, you know, they'd say, oh, I want, all right, we need everybody to upsell some wine tonight. Yeah. Okay. Let's go guys. Let's up our check averages, 35, 45, $50 a bottle. You'll up your check averages. Everybody go out there and sell bottles of red wine. And you're dealing with 19-year-old, 21, 19, 20, 21-year-old, 22-year-old kids that are used to drinking PBR, that are used to doing shots of, you know, of Bacardi. And now we're expecting them to be sommeliers in the middle of a dining room when in reality, all it takes is – it takes a 15 minute period before a, you know, before a shift where you say, Hey guys, Hey, look, here's our situation today. I've got this Washington red that I want you guys to try. Taste this, try it. Tell me what you think of it. All right, great. Now I want you to try this with this dish. See how that pairs together, pull this out. And it's, it literally is a two minute practice. You can teach your staff in an education level. And then oddly enough, they go out and they start selling glasses of wine or bottles of wine because they're more comfortable about it. What are, what do you guys do within your group? I mean, with 15 restaurants, how are you guys educating your staff? I mean, you had said before you were, you you were doing classes for stuff to educate them. What are you guys doing in in house in the four walls? Yeah. You know, for, we're trying to bring as much, you know, everyone's got the wine, you know, the wine that, really the wine reps that are coming and they're, they're having people taste the wines. But for the most part, I mean, 
we try to look a little bit different. Like, let's bring the farmer in. Let's let's let them meet the, or if it's the winemakers in town, let's meet the meet the winemaker, um, or you know, an oyster farmer or whatever. Because I think sometimes when people, not only they're gonna they're gonna taste the products and they're gonna pair the products with food, but when they when they match a face um, with that product, I think it's it. For me, I know I'm like I just kind of have this obligation. Like, wow, you know what I mean? I, I'm I love this product because now that I know this person, I know where our food comes from. Um, I'm gonna sell it, you know. So as much as we can do that, it's, we we can do that. I mean, sometimes we do, we we do take it out of the house. Like we like one of my uh, vice president chefs actually uh, starts up a little um, I don't know a little texting. Uh, group texts of a lot of people saying, Hey, I know where ramps are popping up. We're, we're, we're doing a chef ramp hunt and servers are available. Uh, whoever wants to come and we, they end up getting a bunch of people and they go to this little hillside and just pick ramps and come back and we're just over wow. ramps. So, so a lot of times, sometimes getting them in the environment is also another cool thing to do. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, of, of bringing a face to a product. One of the best concepts that I ever opened was an organic place. And we dealt with 75 farmers on a weekly basis. I mean, and we did everything really local, you know, traditionally local. Well, 10, 12 years ago, local was 300 miles or less, you know? And for me, I really wanted to keep it as tight as possible. And we worked within a 75 mile radius and I had farmers that would drop stuff off. And it was great to have these guys come in because my staff was able to stand by the back door communicate with them, have conversations, talk about these different things. And um, one of the favorite things that I ever had were these radish pods that the farmer, the guy's name was Jack Nachampkin. And he is a, he is a, an actual rocket who also was a, a biochemist and all this other stuff, had his first farm or his first uh, plot at the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens at the age of 16. I mean, this guy was just brilliant, total hoarder. His house was a mess. His, there was pickling jars in every fucking corner, magazines. It was a riot. But he used to do these things called beer pods. And, and, I, and I'm like, what? But there's no such thing as a beer pod, Jack. Let's talk here. You know, we found out that they were these radish pods that he was growing. And he called them beer pods because of the fact that he would drink a couple of beers while he was out there picking them. Mm-hmm. You know, and my staff loved this story because it was a great addition to a dish. It made great vinaigrettes. It made these great, these great, you know, accompaniments to dishes. And the staff had a great story to go with it as well. Yeah. And the same thing happens. I mean, look at us just standing in the middle of a field with all of this technology around us with, you know, uh, there's a guy with his finger on a button who's about to press a button you know, about to press a button to turn a faucet on in the middle of a field. Yeah. And we're talking to a farmer and there's a whole new respect for the basics of a potato that was in reality is within four to eight hours in a bag after coming out of the ground. I never knew that. No, I've been you know, amazing. Yeah. I mean, and then we come home and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a 50 pound bag sitting in the middle of my living room. You know, that my child thought was, you know, an Amazon delivery and she brought it in the house. I mean, there's something to be said about that educational level. And even you, I mean, you're, you're two years older than I am. I mean, the fact that we still learn this stuff and get excited about it and are able to bring it back into the restaurants shows so much to the staff. Yeah. And we're talking about even like a frozen French fry, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, when talking to the guy who just knew every single thing about was like, I mean, who doesn't love fries? I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is awesome. Yeah. This guy knows this. And the, 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 this, kind of I mean, this, 
What'd you say? He's like my new friend, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the weird thing is, you know, you stand by your, by your dish pit at the end of the night and you look at ounce after ounce after ounce after ounce of French fries just going in the trash can. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, fuck, look at all these, you know, look at the amount of work that went into that. They produce 12 million, you know, Lamb Weston produces, what, 12 million portions of French fries every single day in quite possibly the cleanest manufacturing plant that I've ever stepped foot in. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So for you guys, when it comes into, I mean, you guys have 15 restaurants at this point right now. How many, how many different concepts are you working with? Ooh, I say we have about uh, 11 different concepts because uh, we do have like a Tex-Mex side of what we do. And there's a, there's a good bit of those kind of opening up in the near future. Um, but then we've got one, two, three, four, three more new concepts actually get an error in the works after this one. We, wow. we just opened one uh, called La Lucha in Houston, which is a one-off. Uh, and then we've got three more planned. And so... That's, you know, the new concept or the, whatever the new restaurant is, is, is always the, the thing that kind of keeps me having fun and uh, moving forward and not getting bored. Um, so, but then again, you know, where the Tex-Mex, I have, I, I have a fun with fun with that too, because each one of those kind of has a little bit of a different flair to it as well. Right. And what is your, what's your process? I mean, you're a creative individual. You've got a great group of people around you that are, that are, are, are chomping at the bit in reality, probably to get inside of your brain half the time. And then you're throwing these eyes, you know, are, are you, are you coming up with an idea, you know, every month and saying, okay, let's open an Indian one. You know, it's, it's actually, um, you know, this is kind of how I got my first one going and it's worked ever since. And, and really it starts with the location. So I'm trying to, trying to find like a cool, uh, you know, in town locations that we can repurpose the building, something that's just got soul to it. Once, once that's locked in and we kind of know, all right, this is a good location. It's got the right amount of parking. It's the right size and all that kind of stuff. Then it gets into this process of like, all right, what does the neighborhood need? You know? And what does the city need? And then we have to, then I try to figure out, all right, the neighborhood needs this, this, or this, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, all right, what could I be passionate about? You know, cause I've got to be passionate about it as well. That's got to be something cool. And it's got to be something that I would really want to go to. Um, and then, then it also pairs up with, all right, which executive, which, which guy, who do we have ready to be a chef at one of these restaurants that we can kind of let them, you know, let it be their baby. Uh, so then we're kind of t- attaching that to it as well. So there's, there's, there's a few different things that kind of all come together, but it always starts with the location and what the neighborhood needs. Um, and then it just pairs up with what we're passionate about and, you know, what we want to cook next. And that's it. It goes from there. And then yeah. how much, how much is your, is your chef involved? So, w- which is an awesome thing. I mean, one that you guys are, are doing that. I mean, so many people are looking outside of their walls to find new talent and find that when you're cultivating it right within, uh, right underneath of you <clears throat> with a lot of these guys, uh, you, you told a story about, you had a conversation with a guy and you had said to me, you never wanted, you never want to know how much your guys make. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and you asked your guy, and there was, and you said you were, you were, you were pretty shocked because he only worked for you for about four years and you were really happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wanted to just stay out of money because I mean, I'm always putting, 
yeah, I just didn't want to have that conversation anymore, especially at this level. I just wanted to make sure that, that, um, our staff's quality of life is, 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 is just growing and growing constantly. And, you know, I know, I know what this guy makes because I wrote the the business plan of the, the second restaurant. And then once I heard, you know, I, I just hadn't talked to him about it, you know, in a long time and I just stayed out of it. And he told me, and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, where most people are, you know, I would think most owners would be like, you're making too much money. I'm just like, that's fantastic. I love this. I love this that you're, you know, all right, what's, what's going to get you to the next level? You know, I mean, that's just where my mind goes. And cause I get more excited about seeing, you know, the restaurant is always great, you know, when it, when it opens and, and, and it speaks to the community and all that. But really what speaks to me is like watching someone and watching their wife and their kids and, um, you know, get better over time and be able to move into a different house or a different neighborhood or a better school or whatever. And that's just, that's just fulfilling to me. Well, I mean, it's, and, and uh, I started off the show, I was having a conversation about this, uh, the Buffalo Bills guy who just quit just up and walked off the field, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is pretty Pretty passionate, I, I felt, because it's something that I, you know, I mean, especially in this day and age, everybody, you know, a lot of kids are coming up and they just, they expect, you know, and, and if they're not getting what their expectation is, then they just leave. They're gone. They just quit. They walk out the door. You know, I just had an employee in our North Carolina place where I just had a full conversation about culture. You know, I said, the culture of this is we're, 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 we're creative carnival fair. Like I'm doing a 27 ounce smoked turkey leg. That is one of my number one sellers on the menu. And I have guests that are walking in this front door and, and, a, and a carnival themed atmosphere outside of the restaurant with bright colors. And it says, get fried here, like <laughs> all about the fun that you can have. And they walk in the front door and there is a 21 year old girl who's pissed off because her boyfriend didn't call her on, on time. Yeah. You know, and I said to her, I said, one of the things that I need from you is the smile. Like have fun with these guests. They're walking in there. They're giving us their money. And if it weren't for those people walking in here, we don't have a job. We don't have a place to get rid of this product that we have or the, the concept at all. And we had a great chat. We talked for a long time. I really felt that we had, we had reached a breakthrough um, of getting this girl up there. And uh, these two college kids had walked in the front door and uh, her, her, uh, when they were finished their transaction, her entire demeanor changed. And I walked over and I said, hey, what's what's going on here? What's wrong? And she said, did you see the way that that motherfucker snatched that credit card out of my hand? <laughs> and I said, I, actually, I didn't because I just had a really nice conversation with them about the food they were eating and the order and the whole nine yards. And I said, you know, perception is a really tough thing. And so we had a long conversation about that. And I've really felt good. And she's like, you're right. I'm really excited to continue. And she called out of work the next day. She just didn't feel like coming in. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we spend so much time with the employees and trying to get them to understand how are you guys getting the idea of your culture? I mean, because obviously you have a great culture you know, with what you're doing with your staff, you're, you're empowering your employees, you're, 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 you're giving them the opportunities to move forward and move up. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, my, one of my best friends, I told you, I called you last week and said, he's, he works for you guys now. Yeah. You know, and he's a great kid. And, you know, his father owns a series of restaurants. And when he asked his father what he should do, he said, you need to go and work for Ford Fry. 
because this is a guy who is who's making things happen and he's moving the needle in the restaurant industry. And uh, and it was kind of funny when I found out that he worked for you. But and, and having a conversation with him later on, he was like he loves it. He really enjoys being down there. How are you guys handling? What are you guys doing to instill the culture within your staff to get the ultimate out of every single employee that's working with you? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the the COO I mentioned that was uh, that I used you know was my boss a long time ago. He, he he's passionate about people, and he came to the table. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but. Um, I used to hate having annual reviews. Like you, I hate doing them. I hated them being given to me. I just thought they were just kind of BS, you know. And so he brought this system. It's called a nine-point system, basically, where we don't have annual reviews. We just have points, uh, whether it's positive points or negative points. Um, so if someone does a, something above and beyond, they're going to get a point. Someone's giving them a point. And it, what that does is that teaches our leaders to, or you know, a lot of the salaried staff, um, to actually to not only communicate you know, negatively, but also keep, which, which they normally, are in the restaurant business, are just used to just talking to someone you know, in a counseling session if it's something bad. This kind of balances it out where we're talking to them when they do something really good. And when they get to that nine points, we kind of figure out, all right, what is it that speaks to them and what can they do? Say they're in wine and, you know, then we send them out to Napa or something for like a few days out there and set them up with a bunch of night wine tours or, or whatever. Or if someone was like really into soccer and didn't have a TV, we're going to give them a big flat panel TV or something like that. So we're, so we're personalizing things for right. them. Then on the other hand, if they're getting negative nine, you know, they know, you know, cause they're dwindling down, they know they're, and then there's no one, you know, who's, you know, disgruntled because they, they, they knew it was coming, you know? So it's, so it's this, this atmosphere of just honest feedback all the time um, with, you know, reward. Like one, one guy, we like one of my most gratifying days of the year is our, our, our all staff party, which it's typically done on Super Bowl Sunday when the restaurants are pretty slow. So we close all the restaurants. Everyone gets together. We have a band. It's just this fun time. And this one guy came up to me one time and he's like at, at this last party. And he's like, dude, he says, this is the best company I've ever been to. I've had three raises in a year because wow. of this stuff. And I'm like, right on, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, that, so a lot of it is real, you know, it just gets back to that whole servant leadership and serving them and, and treating them not as a tool. I mean, that's just, right. that is just key. Nice. Yeah. I do a lot of stuff with the reviews. I'm, I'm, I, I love the tier system with that and the point system. And I started to do reviews where I would have a review and I would actually say, Hey, look, you're coming up on your review. Here's the, here's the form, you know, and basically they would grade themselves yeah. and then we would sit together and we would meet those two together. And if, you know, you think that you're a five for employee morale and I think you're a four, well, let's discuss this and let's try and, you know, let's find a way to try to move forward with it. And I do, I, I'm moving much more into the positive end of things. Let's not discuss the negatives. You know if you're not doing something right, but you're really going to know if you're doing something right. You know, if you're doing it the right way and you're going above and beyond, then there is going to be that. I like that, man. Yeah. So what's what's next for you guys? I mean, you're, you've got, you're opening a property down in Nashville. You're opening three more, you said, of the Tex-Mex concept. 
yeah. in different areas. What are, I mean, what's your, what's your ultimate, what's your ultimate goal? I mean, I think right now, you know, most of our focus, I'd say 80% uh, moving forward. We do have some new Zoom one-off stuff in the works, but, you know, a lot of our focus is trying to get uh, tr- learning how to operate restaurants that are not in our backyard well. So we've opened Charlotte as, as one of our Tex-Mex restaurants, and now we've got Houston. So, um, you know, that's key. It's, you know, sometimes it's easy to run restaurants. I mean, we figured that out. It's kind of easy to run restaurants when it's your city and you could pop in and sure. not be there. But there's a point where you've got to trust your people and you got to trust your training and all that. So, so I think that's where my mind is at right now is, is, all right, how do we train and how do we open so that we have a solid opening and we have a consistent culture, you know, that we, that we, that we establish that culture out of the gate. Um, Cause I've been, you know, you've been to restaurants before that are like multiple, you know, it's like they've got five or six of them or whatever. And you're like, well, I don't go to that one because yeah, something's just off, you know, it's I mean? watered down. Sure. So to me, it's just trying to figure out. Yeah, exactly. How to, how to not water the thing down and how just to keep, make them full and vibrant each one. So yeah. I mean, that's really key with me. I mean, I think also, you know, the cost of, uh, you know, you know, what conversation this is going to spearhead, but you know, the cost of development, the cost of doing restaurants and construction and all the materials and people's time has just really gone through the roof. I'm talking like double or tripled in, in cost over the past few years. So, you know, for me, uh, when it comes to like one-off restaurants, the, the, maybe the only way we are going to be able to do that is go into a restaurant that's a second generation space or that's got something at least, like whether it's the the power or the HVAC or the plumbing already, already in there. Um, Cause all that stuff is just stacked up. So I'm kind of looking for those kind of cool spots that may have been a, you know, they were a good location, but just something just didn't quite work. So right. that's where my mind's at. Nice. And then how, I mean, what are you guys doing in regards to, to finding employees? I mean, are you guys pulling as much as you can from within, but when you're, when you're going in, that was a, that was actually a question, not, or that was a statement, not a question, mm-hmm. but when you guys are going into the newer markets, how are you guys finding employees? Yeah. I mean, that, that is tough. I mean, they're just, they're, that's just a, there's a shortage for sure all across the board. You know, for me, it's like, you know, my, we haven't got there yet, but I kind of have this idea, you know, I really want to promote, you know, either through our website, all the people who are going to be teaching, you know, all the chefs, I mean, and their accolades and where they come from, because it's just amazing the, the people that we have and where they come from so that people understand that it's not necessarily all about Ford, but what comes with Ford is this person, this person, this person, this person. Right. So for the most part, as long as we can get some you know, you know, we have some pretty heavy hitters at the top level. Um, you know, we're reaching out to, you know, people who live in these other cities and say, Hey, you know, cause we're pretty much friends with chefs in almost all the cities. So we travel around and we meet everybody. But, um, one of the other things is, is, it, you know, like for instance, Nashville, uh, Nashville's super dead. There's so much going on there. There's so much development yeah. going on. Staffing is just crazy. So you know, I think the only thing that I could do is probably try to really market the restaurants internally throughout our, our you know, our restaurants and say, Hey, who's, who's looking who's for, there? who wants to go to Nashville? 
you know, or yeah. you know, other things we're talking about is like 401ks and uh, health benefits. We have all that kind of stuff. So we don't have 401k yet, but we're talking about that, but we've got all the health benefits. And I mean, cause some of that stuff's pretty, pretty uh, important to people as well. So, you yeah. know, times even like single mothers and just got to open up that, just got to open up that field, you know, more than you normally would have in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's more about, you know, we, we look at, I, I was driving down the, the road the other day and I was, I was on a bunch of conference calls and I was talking to a friend of mine who's in a corporate world and he's like, you know, I'm going through all my 401k shit and I'm going through all this. And I'm like, we're, we're really in it. We're, 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 we're a shitty industry at times. Yeah. You know, we, we, re, we require you to be on call at any given moment. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, you're late, if you're five minutes early or yeah. if you're on time, you know, it's like, and then we cut you when we're slow. We tell you, you have to work on the fly. You're closing a restaurant every Friday and Saturday night. Sometimes you're getting a schedule on a fucking Sunday for a Monday, right. you know, it, it's a horrible industry. And, and I, that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you is because of what you're doing for your employees. And it's, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's blatantly working for you. You have a phenomenal reputation. You have a tremendous amount of employees that are working with you in, in 15 restaurants. You guys are opening up other restaurants and moving forward. You're utilizing the staff that you have inside. And dude, you deserve a lot of, you deserve a lot of credit for that, man. That's a big, big thing to be, and something to be really proud of. So it's, it's funny. Cause I did, you know, as I've taken on some new employees from some, you know, who's come to us from other restaurants. I asked them, I said, what is, what is our, what do people say about us out there? You know, cause we've grown pretty fast and, yeah. and, uh, and what's their hesitation if there's hesitation to come here or do they want to come work for us? And they're like, you know, some people out there are, uh, are afraid of too corporate is what they say. Um, and until they get in, they see that we're not really corporate, you know, each restaurant yeah. is its own and it's, and it's run by, by people who are operating restaurants. So, um, you know, as long as it, you know, kind of control that family vibe, you know, it's great. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, dude, I know you're busy, man. And, uh, I know you got a lot of stuff going on, so I want to thank you very much for hopping on with me. And, uh, well, you know, I want to ask you this though. One last thing. What's your, what's your go-to meal, man? End oh. of the day or on the road or something like that. What's your, what's your meal? You know, it's tough because, you know, as we get older, I just turned 49 this year. And, and, uh, I, I mean, who doesn't like eating late at night? I mean, I love eating late at night and I love eating sloppy stuff, but I, it, you know, if I had to say my go-to, I mean, I love steak free. I mean, I love like just a good, like wood grilled, you know, interesting cut of meat, you know, like a shrimp or something like that with some fries and some sort of compound butter or even Bernays or whatever. I mean, I'm just simple. I'm getting, I'm just going for more of the classic kind of stuff. So, but something like that late at night would be killer. Nice. Nice. All right, brother. Well, I hope I get to see you again soon. And uh, congratulations on all your success. Why don't you do us a favor? Tell us one more time who you are and uh, how we can follow you on social media. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ford Fry and uh, Chef Gone Restaurateur based out of Atlanta. Uh, you can go to my website, FordFry.com, or you can find and follow me on Instagram at, at Ford Fry. Um, awesome, brother. Great talking to you, man. You as well, dude. Congratulations and uh, keep moving that needle, man. All right, brother. All right. Likewise. Cheers, dude. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
There you go, man. That is a uh, that's a guy who's inspiring. That is somebody who who grabbed on to this wild world that we live in and is 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 making an impact on people's lives. You know, in, in this day and age of this weird and and super tight and cost conscious restaurant industry to have a guy who is, who is succeeding, you know, he's really bringing employees in and they're what we, you know, we used to have a saying that we got, well, you know, we just got to get them a drink to Kool-Aid, man. Once they drink the Kool-Aid, they can, you know, they'll do everything that we need them to do. And it's so much more than that. Now, you know, we talk about the industry that 25 years ago, basics in Philadelphia, we had what 900 restaurants. We've got 9,000 now. You know, we need to start taking care of our employees in a better fashion. We need to start providing for them in a better fashion. We need to start making, oh, sorry, pardon me. We need to start um, empowering our employees, man. I just cannot say it enough. Um, you know, one of the, the things I really like is the way that Ford's doing his, his tiered system. It's a nine-point system, man. You know, well, this guy got three raises in a year. Boom. You're busting your ass for a company and you're making it work and you're moving the needle and you're executing at the highest level. That's what I like to hear. And you're being rewarded for it. You know, not just a pat on the back. I mean, you're actually being rewarded in a monetary way. And who knows whether, I, I don't know what that is. I didn't ask him about whether that's a dime an hour. Is it an additional dollar? What are these guys making? I mean, do you have a dishwasher who's going from nine to 13 in a one year period because of the fact that, you know, he's just a great dude who goes above and beyond? I don't know. But I'll, I'll ask him that next time I see him. But I think it's great the way that he takes care of his employees. And I love the way that his concepts work. And he knows what he knows. And he wants to get somebody good in underneath of him. So cheers to you, my friend, Mr. Ford Fry. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your effort. And I appreciate you hopping on the phone with us. So everybody do me a favor. You guys know the deal here. I want you to uh, give us some reviews on Instagram, man. I'm sorry, on, uh, on iTunes. RadioInfluence.com, Stitcher, all those good places, Google Play. Get out there. Find those things and, and tell people about us because I want, I want to get some great guests in. You guys want to hear a guest on the show? Do me a favor. Send me an email. Send me a text. Send me a tweet. Instagram me. Private message me. Tinder me. Bumble me. Who knows, man? Just get in touch with me. I'm pretty easy to find. Twitter and Instagram are Chef Bride Duff. Go out there and find us. The show itself is Duffified Live. And I want to thank everybody that's involved. That's the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com. Jerry and Jason, appreciate your heart involved in all of this. Thank you so much, Maggie Gagliardi. Mags Art, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Follow her. She does all of our promo pieces. And Michelle Stock, who takes care of all of our websites and all the other technical stuff other than the recordings. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much and have an awesome fucking week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Tracy Beans, host of the new podcast, Dark to Light with Frank and Beans on Radio Influence. It's a new show about politics, but not the way you're used to. What we talk about is actually true. And it's also stuff they don't want you to hear. So we bring it to you weekly. All the intrigue and spin and double talk spelled out for you right with my co-host Frank's special flavor of commentary. Don't miss him. He's an experience. So join us. Dark to Light with Frank and me, Tracy Beans, drops each Friday on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.